I accidentally hit the call button and it took a few seconds to realize what was happening. So I immediately hung up because I thought that would just be a bit odd. We hadn't really planned to speak. Um, but it was quite cute, and this shows his nature very well. He immediately called me back, and I didn't pick up because I just was, you know, I was a bit freaked out, <laughs> didn't know what to do. You just stared at the phone? I just stared at the phone and his name coming up, and I didn't pick up, and he left me a voicemail very sweetly saying, oh, I thought you were calling to talk. I'd love to hear your voice. This is First Date Stories, the podcast the show where women in their late 30s, 40s, 50s, and beyond talk all about the first dates they've been on. From the wildly successful to the completely disastrous and everything in between, here's your host, Jody Klein, founder of FirstDateStories.com. Olivia was last on the podcast in season one. She returns to the show this episode to share what happened that closed out her relationship with Max and about her return to online dating. Just as before, she was skeptical of dating apps, but just as before, she signed up for one and about a week later noticed Robert's profile. By the time the two of them started messaging on the app, he was only one day away from leaving the US to travel back to his home in Paris. Their travel plans by chance or by fate, had them in London on the same days the following month. They decided that they'd meet there for their first date. Here's Olivia's first date story. Hello, Olivia. Thank you for coming back onto the podcast. Thank you, Jody. It's great to be here. I am excited to be talking to you again. It has been two and a half years since we recorded the Olivia and Max episode. A lot has happened in the world, certainly, in those two and a half years, and clearly a lot has happened in your life as well. So when we left off, you were 10 months into a relationship with Max. He was relocating from Germany, and he was moving in with you that you're back on the podcast to share a story about another first date means that your relationship with Max must have come to a close. Please catch us up on what happened. Sure. And you're right to say that a lot has happened in the last couple of years, uh, both in my life and for everyone else. Um, So Max was a very special person. We met in an unusual way. We managed to overcome a lot of obstacles in terms of dating internationally. And he indeed moved in with me shortly after our podcast here in the city. And uh, it was really wonderful for a while. But as many of your listeners probably know as well, living with someone is a real eye-opener. And, you know, you start to understand if your habits are compatible, your lifestyles are compatible in a way that it's impossible to know before you live together. Um, And while Max and I had a very special connection in many ways, it did become clear to me as our relationship went on living together that he was not the one. And it was actually, you know, it's difficult to say this, but in retrospect, it was actually my mistake that I didn't admit that to myself and to him earlier. And so the relationship went on for about another 10 months living together, 
most of the day-to-day was really nice and, you know, uh, no conflict or anything obvious, but my heart just was starting to tell me this just isn't quite right. Unfortunately, it uh, did progress to the point where he proposed to get married, and that was sort of the breaking point that I needed to be able to tell him that it was not the right relationship for either one of us. Um, And that was a very difficult time. Um, Obviously, very difficult for him, um, but also for me. And it was a lot of, there was a lot of self-realization going on where I recognized that, you know, I had been a little bit too passive, which is not in my nature normally, but that I had been a bit too passive in the relationship in terms of really admitting that it wasn't the right thing. Um, So that was a rough period, but ultimately it was absolutely for the best, both for him and for me. And we did part our ways. He moved back to Germany, Um, didn't want to, but I think that since then he has most likely realized he is better off searching for that special person who wants to be with him no matter what. I can imagine it must have been the most challenging of times for both of you. Certainly was. It was. And uh, it took, um, you know, quite a bit of courage, I think, on both our parts to do the hard thing, which was not to just say, yes, okay, this is pretty good. And, you know, it's, we're lucky to have found a compatible partner. Um, the, The easy thing would have been for me to just say yes, and to realize, you know, like he was a very good person, we could have been pretty happy together. But I knew and I've always known that pretty happy was not enough for me and I needed to be unconditionally happy. Um, And so I hope that he's better off. I think he is. I'm certainly better off as well. We need to find that right partner. If you're not with that right partner, ultimately, you are not going to be able to be the best person you can be. The relationship isn't going to be the right relationship that either of you want. And it may not go the distance. Exactly, exactly. So I'm glad that I did not compromise. And I think ultimately, um, he is probably glad or will be glad that uh, that he did not or that I did not compromise as well. Well, thank you for for sharing that. I know that probably wasn't the easiest thing to to reflect upon. Some of our listeners have not heard the Olivia and Max episode yet. But now they know a little bit about it. Mm -hmm. But what they don't know much about is you and your backstory. Mm -hmm. Would you share a bit about yourself uh, professionally in terms of things you like to do, a little bit about uh, other aspects of your life so that people get a sense of who you are? Yes, of course. Um, So I work in global health. Uh, My work is primarily focused on HIV and malaria um, and other infectious diseases. I've been on the research side, but more qualitative research, not lab research, for example. Um, And I've also worked within those areas, within HIV and malaria, um, from a program development point of view and a policy point of view. So I have uh, jumped around a lot within global health, but practically with a focus on a couple of different disease areas. Uh, And what I love about my work is that it takes me all over the world, or at least it did before COVID. And um, my biggest passion in the world is traveling. So I've been really fortunate to find rewarding work that also lets me explore my passion for traveling. Um, And the traveling, of course, always leads to meeting interesting people. Um, So because of that, I have had my disproportionate share of uh, international relationships. Traveling and health and helping people um, is something that's really rewarding to me. 
So I'm an urban dweller. I love cities. I've always lived in major cities. I also really love getting out to the countryside and being in nature, hiking and swimming. But um, I do find a cultural stimulation in cities that is hard to reach um, if you don't live in an urban environment. So I love going out to restaurants and bars, meeting friends. I'm very social. And, um, you know, that sort of social life has, of course, slowed down quite a lot in the last year and a half with COVID, but it's slowly picking up again. And I'm in my late 30s, never been married, as you know, multiple relationships and one proposal, but, um, you know, technically single. Thank you for sharing that background. Okay, so you and Max have parted ways. And... but you got back into dating. Otherwise, we would not be having this conversation. How long after the two of you really ended things did you dip your toe back into the dating waters? And how did you go about doing that? Well, I was not ready right away after we um, broke up to date again. But about two months after, you know, we parted ways, uh, my friends convinced me to rejoin the dating scene via dating apps. And so I did dip my toe into the water by uh, going onto Hinge, setting up a profile, not really looking around, but just putting it out there so that I could eventually come back to it. Did you actually start to go out with men shortly after you put your profile up? Well, I didn't go out with anyone. Um, About a week after I put up my profile, I was a little bit curious. So I looked online, I went onto the app, and almost immediately saw a picture that I was intrigued by. And um, the accompanying description of this person was also intriguing. And I was surprised, to be honest. I really didn't think I was going to see anyone I was very interested in. And to be honest, even before uh, my breakup and my previous relationship, I had been on a couple of but was extremely picky and nine times out of ten just was not pulled in by um, you know by a face or description Uh, and so I certainly wasn't expecting to be um, pulled in by anyone but I did see a profile I was interested in and I was just so intrigued by this one particular profile that I had to swipe right what happened next well we immediately connected which of course indicates that the other person has already approved, so to speak, of you. Um, so that obviously made me happy and even more intrigued. And so I sent him a message and uh, I didn't get a message back for a couple of days, which was surprising to me. <laughs> um, and a few days later, I did get a response and he told me, which I had also seen on his profile, that he was from Paris. And I, of course, have a bit of a weakness for the international types, as you know. Uh, and so I, I, I asked him if he was visiting or if he was from Paris originally and now living in my city. Um, and he replied that he was only here for a couple of weeks on work, on a work-related uh, trip. But unfortunately, he was leaving the next day. And the reason he had not responded to me right away was because he had done a hiking trip in the closest national park here. Uh, And he had been off the grid. So he was off the grid and then he got back just the night before he was flying back to Paris. And um, unfortunately, it meant we couldn't meet, which was quite disappointing. That must have been very disappointing. You were intrigued. There was radio silence. He pops up and he says, I'm leaving. 
Yep, exactly. It was quite disappointing. So, you know, to be honest, at that point, I was still so sort of new to the dating scene um, again, and frankly, wasn't really prepared to start dating again. I was disappointed, but I also wasn't devastated. I sort of thought, okay, well, it just wasn't meant to be. What happened in your life after that? Well, interestingly enough, we sort of messaged through the app for a couple of days. And I jokingly told him that he could pop down to Biarritz, where I was going to be on vacation the next month. And in fact, he said he would love to, but that he wouldn't be able to get away from work. I told him that was too bad um, and that I was going to be spending time with friends. It would be, you know, lovely, of course, to host him. Again, I was mostly joking uh, and that, you know, I was going to be stopping through London on my way back home. And uh, and he said, coincidentally, he was going to be in London the exact same three days. And I could not believe it. Okay, so just to be clear, so Biarritz is in the southern part of France. Yes. You were going to be traveling by chance to France mm-hmm. shortly after you and he started communicating. Yeah. What is this guy's name? His name is Robert. His name is Robert. And then you discover that your plans to go to London completely sync up with his plans to be in London at the exact same time. At the exact same time, for the same exact three days. It was unbelievable. Neither of us could believe it. What'd you decide? Well, he said, in that case, we'll be in London the same three days. I insist we go out on a date the first night we're both there. And I said, of course. (laughs) (laughs) And then we had an entire month, essentially, to build up to it. Um, And uh, actually, I'm so happy that it happened that way because we got the chance to really know each other by just talking, you know, for a month before we met in person. And the rapport was just unbelievable. Uh, My friends... Uh, could tell you, the ones I was on vacation with, could tell you that I was just laughing out loud. I was on my phone. I tend not to be on my phone all the time. But we were just corresponding back and forth every single day for a couple of weeks. And the chemistry was amazing, even through the phone. When you say through the phone, are you implying that you were texting the entire time or did you actually talk as well? Well, it's funny. We were texting almost the entire time. um, And I accidentally hit the call button one day that I was with my friends. I accidentally hit the call button and it took a few seconds to realize what was happening. So I immediately hung up because I thought that would just be a bit odd. We hadn't really planned to speak, um, but it was quite cute. And this shows his nature very well. He immediately called me back and I didn't pick up because I just was, you know, I was a bit freaked out. <laughs> didn't know what to do. <laughs> you just stared at the phone. I just stared at the phone and his name coming up and I didn't pick up and he left me a voicemail very sweetly saying, oh, I thought you were calling to talk. I'd love to hear your voice. Oh, no, was, it was no big deal for him. No big deal. Very open, very enthusiastic. And um, I think that was a, a really good sign. Did you call him right back? No. <laughs> I decided I would prefer to hear his voice and have him hear my voice on our first date in London. (laughs) You never spoke with Robert. No, we never spoke. Before you met face to face. You just texted the entire time? The entire time. For a month? Yes, for almost a month. I would say it was closer to three weeks, but it was still. It was quite a lot. And we we actually um, then later looked back at our text correspondence 
during that period. And we realized we had exchanged more messages than either one of us had ever exchanged with a single friend of ours. There's actually an algorithm, something that you can use to sort of count the number of messages you've exchanged and the length. And the amount of uh, gigabytes, basically, that we had used messaging each other far surpassed any single one of our friends that we'd had for, you know, decades. So that alone tells you how much that we were corresponding. Wow. So hopefully you used WhatsApp or Signal so you weren't charging up the iMessage yes. or the yeah. <laughs> on, on Wi-Fi Data the whole time. or something. Yeah. Uh, wow. Okay. Uh, take us to London. This has been one of the most exciting weeks for me ever. My book, First Date Stories, Women's Romantic and Ridiculous Midlife Adventures, was published on Tuesday. Fast readers are sending feedback, and I am over the moon excited by what listeners are sharing and what readers are sharing. A podcast listener wrote to me yesterday and told me that quote, she's so inspired and encouraged by what I've written, and that she needed to read this, unquote. Wow. Another early reader shared that this book made me look at how I approach dating and gave me confidence in trusting my gut. I tend to give Mr. Nose more time than I should when instead I should be moving on. This book is encouraging to all single women of a certain age who refuse to settle and are holding out for the right person. The tips are great for anyone searching for a romantic relationship, regardless of age or relationship type. Amazing. The book is available now. You can get it at your local bookstore. If they don't have it in stock, please ask them to get it in for you and to ship a few extras to the store for other readers. If you prefer to buy it online, you can get it at Amazon or wherever you like to shop for books online. And I am shipping out signed copies. All you need to do is go to firstdatestories.com forward slash book and find the logo of Books, Inc., if you purchase the book through the Books, Inc. store, I will be sending out a signed copy to you. Other news to share is there's a virtual launch coming up on Tuesday, September 28th at 5 p.m. Pacific and 8 p.m. Eastern. It is being hosted by Literati Bookshop in Ann Arbor, Michigan. We've titled the event An Evening of Storytelling. It'll be a conversation between Robin Gelfenbein, who's a three-time Moth Story Slam winner, and me. We'll be swapping stories and more. You can find out more information about that event by going to firstdatestories.com forward slash book or to literatibookstore.com. That is L-I-T-E-R-A-T-I bookstore.com and checking out the events section. I hope to see you there.
where did the two of you rendezvous for your first date? Well, so I had been there. Um, I was I was flying there to see friends um, just as a stopover on my way home. And uh, I was staying in an Airbnb. And it turned out that it was right down the street from where he had gone to business school. Um, and he, so he knew the neighborhood very well. And so he asked me where I was staying. Uh, he was also staying in an Airbnb in a different neighborhood, but he, as a gentleman do, suggested a cute little cocktail bar that was, you know, pretty close to me. Uh, and it was a beautiful little place called the Mulray uh, in Soho in London. And so I had had lunch with a friend earlier that day. And I have to say, I was a little bit nervous because I knew we had this amazing rapport but again, as I said, we hadn't heard each other's voices. We hadn't seen face to face. There are all these factors that you just cannot pick up on, you know, online, of course, that are quite different um, in person. And so I was a little bit nervous about the date, not because I thought I was so madly in love with him already, although in retrospect, I think that was happening. But I just didn't know if my expectation of him was going to be met because, you know, sometimes there are things that happen in person. Someone's voice is a little funny or there's just no chemistry or, you know, there's a habit that they have which you can't get over. So I really didn't know what it was going to be like in person. But my friend, uh, the friend I had had lunch with earlier in the day said, you know, don't worry about it. Also, you're only three months out of this other relationship. Um, and of course, it's going to feel strange jumping in so quickly to to something, whether it becomes something or not. And so I went into the date, you know, just feeling a little nervous, but then also being my usual confident self and telling myself to breathe and relax. And if nothing else came of the date, I knew that he and I could be friends because we clearly had, you know, a shared sense of humor, shared interests, um, you know, things, a lot of things to talk about politics and culture and arts. Uh, and travel. Uh, so I knew that, you know, no matter what happened, at least I would come out of it with a friend. Do you think looking back, that if you had spoken with him before the two of you met in person, there would have been less pressure on you and you would have been less nervous for that first hello? I think I probably would have been a little less nervous because with someone's voice, you do feel like you know them, even if you haven't met face to face. But to be honest, I think I... Uh, I was sort of enjoying the nervousness. It was exciting. It was mostly anticipatory. You were taking a heck of a vacation. You had time with friends, relaxation, beach town, southwest of France. And on top of that, you were building anticipation to meeting this mystery man whose voice you had never heard, but whose spelling and his ability to communicate on text you knew very well. So take us through your first date. How did it all begin? So I showed up at the Mulray, a cocktail bar in Soho, and I was only five minutes late. <laughs> well, last time you shared on the podcast that you're typically 10 minutes late. I am. So you must have been excited. <laughs> I was. I was excited and I was determined not to show up late. So I got there still a few minutes late, but thinking, you know, it's a woman's prerogative, especially on a first date. <laughs> Um, but he wasn't there yet. So I thought, oh, good, I'm off the hook. And I settled in to the booth, the dark blue velvet booth in this beautiful cocktail bar. It was very quiet. There was some nice jazz playing. It was actually a very relaxing environment, very romantic and intimate, 
but also relaxing because there wasn't a lot of extra noise. There weren't people crowding everywhere. So in retrospect, it was the perfect place for a first date. And I sat there with my cocktail for about 10 minutes, I would say. (laughs) And then this extremely tall, handsome man walked through the bar door. He was even taller than he had described on the app. I knew he was extremely tall, but um, he was even taller and I couldn't believe it. (laughs) So I got up and we did the awkward first date hug Uh (laughs) where you don't know someone. And it was very nice, actually. It felt really natural. It didn't feel strange at all. Um, And so we sat down, he ordered a drink, and we just started talking. And it was exactly like our correspondence that we'd had for the previous three weeks. It was natural. The conversation flowed. It was funny. It was serious. There was a nice ebb and flow. It was meaningful and personal, not just like chit chat and, you know, talking about things like what you do for a living and this and that, because actually we'd gotten a lot of those things out of the way. And he's also not someone who's very good at chit chat. He's very uh, intense and he's very interested in always diving deep, even with people he doesn't know very well. He always, I want to say tries, but he doesn't try. It's involuntary. He's driven to have meaningful conversation. And I think that that had come through in our text correspondence and it came through in our first date conversation as well. And so we just talked about so many things and hours flew by. People who strive to have meaningful conversations are usually people who strive to have meaningful connections because conversation leads to connection. Did you feel during this evening that the connection was just locking in between the two of you? Absolutely. It felt unlike any first date I've had before. And I've had first dates where the chemistry was very intense, but the emotional connection wasn't quite there. Or there was a nice emotional connection, but I kind of left the date feeling like this person's just a friend. But this was unlike anything before, where on one hand, I felt like we had known each other for years. I mean, just the way the conversation was flowing, we were so comfortable with each other. It was lively and fun, but, you know, but sweet and personal as well. But, you know, the comfort of it didn't negate the fact that it was also really exciting because here was a confirmation of, I think, both of our hope and expectations that this was going to be a really meaningful date and a meaningful connection. And it was. So it was simultaneously comfortable and exciting, which is a really rare combination and something I haven't really had before. It sounds very powerful, the way the two of you came together that that evening, that first face-to-face encounter that you had. Had Robert been married before? No, he had not been married before. Um, He had had a number of serious relationships. Um, But as he told me, you know, later, as we got to know each other, um, every relationship, even the ones that were good on paper or even good in real life, There was something missing, and I knew exactly what he meant, because for me, it had always felt that way as well. And I uh, realized, you know, that night that I felt differently about him in this short period of time than I'd ever felt, and he certainly felt that way about me. Um, And so, yeah, it felt very, I think for both of us, it felt very special, and that connection was very apparent to us. It didn't even need to be verbally acknowledged. It was just so apparent. So you're in London, you have a drink in hand, he comes in. 
And then this extraordinary date commences for you. How did the evening evolve from there? Well, the evening itself started pretty late. I think we were meant to meet at the Mulray at 10 p.m. So it was definitely a post-dinner drink. Um, And then after a couple of cocktails, the manager came over and said, I can see that you two are having a wonderful time, but unfortunately we have to close in half an hour. So we looked at each other and said, well, we don't want this date to end. Where can we go next? So we located another great little cocktail bar down the street. um, And we went, we walked down. I had actually been there with a friend on a previous trip. And luckily it was, it was very close by. So we went and we just continued our conversation and we had another drink. And then around two o'clock in the morning, I caught an Uber back to my Airbnb. He located a bicycle, rental bicycle somehow at two o'clock in the morning in London, located a rental bicycle and wheeled himself back to his Airbnb. But we made plans to meet the next afternoon which we did. And we went for a lovely walk. Again, the conversation just flowed. It really felt like we had been dating or that we were dating already and that we knew each other so well. Um, And then the weekend continued. And we had dinner. We actually had dinner with a couple of friends of mine who were also in town. And that was a lot of fun because I was able to see him in in the context outside of a date just with me. And I think that's actually very important for uh, for people to see, you know, how their potential partner might interact with them and with their friends, um, you know, in a group setting, because, uh, you know, people can change. But this was a lot of time to be spending with a stranger. Mm-hmm. He was a stranger to you until you met him, really, because we can communicate with people as long as one does in advance of meeting. But there is something, as you said, really essential when you're bringing people together and that's you are face to face right so on this short trip to london you have had this odyssey of an experience with this man you've met him you've had drinks with him you've spent a time walking together now you're meeting friends there's this whole friend dimension often this takes weeks mm-hmm. <laughs> and a typically paced <laughs> relationship and if it's during covid Mm -hmm. that's a whole different story right uh to unfold in this manner Mm -hmm. did you feel like you were on um a speedway racing ahead together and was it the right pace or was it too fast Not at all. It didn't feel like we were speeding or like it was too fast. But of course, in retrospect, it was. We were making leaps and bounds in a single short weekend. Um, The kind of progress that, as you said, most people make over the course of weeks or even months. So it did go quite quickly. But in retrospect, we realized that at the moment, it just felt so natural. I think for both of us, it it's almost as though there wasn't even a question we would have dinner with my friends, <laughs> that we would, you know, go for a walk or see each other again the third day in a row. And um, in fact, the third day in a row, we decided to go to the airport together. So we were on the train, because he had a flight back to Paris, I had a flight home. And He actually only told me later that he extended his trip by a couple of hours just to spend more time with me. He changed his flight, which was supposed to depart in the morning. So we were on the train to Heathrow, engrossed in conversation, just 
chatting away and we didn't realize the train had stopped and there had been some kind of an accident on the on the tracks. Um, but, you know, we, that was no bother to us. We were having this wonderful conversation. But then the train started up again and we pulled into Heathrow and I looked at my phone and I realized the time and the gate, the baggage rather, the baggage was closing in 10 minutes. And so I said, oh, we really need to run for my gate. <laughs> so oh. he helped me. I was pulling this huge suitcase. We ran through Heathrow. We got up to the gate and they said, oh, we're so sorry. Baggage closed a few minutes ago. There's no way we can let you on the flight. And I said, you're joking. I need to fly across the Atlantic and across the country. And you've got to let me on this flight. I actually have a work meeting tomorrow. It's very important. And they said, nope, sorry, there's nothing we can do. And if you travel a lot internationally, you know that Heathrow is very strict. They really are not willing to negotiate. The two of you, <laughs> in the course of your three days together, now are in crisis management mode. Mm -hmm. Wow. Precisely. Okay, so let's just layer that on to everything else. Yes. Okay, take us through how you dealt with this situation. Well, it was fascinating because I, again, was able to see the side of Robert that you would probably not see for at least weeks or months into a relationship. So he was very calm. He said, okay, we can figure this out. So we sat down, we both got on our phones. I found a flight the next morning, which was essentially a, about a 24 hour delay. He said, oh, of course, I'm going to change my flight to tomorrow and stay with you. I, there's no way I'm going to give up spending an extra day with this amazing person. I mean, he literally said these things. So which, romantic. So romantic and so vulnerable too. And honest, you know, many men would not be willing to sort of share or let their feelings be so known and so open. So he changed his flight, I changed my flight, and we looked at each other as if we had like a new lease on life and said, okay, what's next? <laughs> so he said, why don't we go rent a car and we'll drive out to the countryside and explore a little bit. So we did. <laughs> Crisis averted, opportunity for more vacation and time together. Mm-hmm. That's very creative thinking and really uh, a tremendous way to take a what could have been a very stressful situation and make it a very fun one. Exactly. It was. We made the absolute best of it and had a absolutely had a ball. I mean, we drove out to the countryside. We discovered this really cute little town called Rye, very quintessential, you know, English countryside with cobbled streets and little pubs and just wandered around and had lunch and then had dinner. And it was unbelievably romantic. So I think neither of us was very, um, neither of us regretted the change. That is for sure. <laughs> Thank you, United Airlines. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And it's funny, to this day, my mom is still convinced I skipped my flight in order to spend more time with him. And I, I keep reassuring her it's not the case, but she's convinced. <laughs> well, she'll have to trust her daughter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The two of you part ways at Heathrow the following day. Mm -hmm. So bring us up to speed about what's going on now with you and with Robert, please. Yes. Well... We have come a very long way since then. Uh, we continue to keep in touch, talking on the phone, this time with voices, almost every day for the next week. And it took all of seven days for him to ask me to come visit him in Paris, 
which I agreed to do a few weeks later. Uh, and then we essentially swapped locations. He came to visit me. I went to visit him every other month for almost a year. And it turned into a very serious um, long distance relationship. And then at some point it became obvious that the long distance wasn't, you know, the most ideal situation. Um, and so I decided to move to Paris and we are living there together now. That's a huge life change. Could you ever have foreseen this? That one swipe to the right on an app you really didn't want to be on very much mm -hmm. after the end of a relationship would evolve into you becoming a European citizen. No, as it has. I could never have imagined. I have always embraced adventure and opportunity and spontaneity, but I definitely could not have imagined that just going on to that app at that time uh, would have led to this. And ultimately, in retrospect, there were so many things that had to align. Had I gone on that app just one week later, he would have been out of town. He would have been gone and his profile would not have shown up for me. And in addition to the amazing timing of him being where I was living and being on the app and my going on um, that particular week, which could have easily slipped out of our hands, we also found out later that he had been living on the same street as me in my city while he was there for work, literally four blocks away, and had ended up doing laundry at my corner laundromat. I mean, we could have passed and maybe did pass each other on the street during those few weeks before we connected online. That um, is wild. It was wild. And then being in London for the exact same three days one month later, it's just so many things um, had to align and come together for us to meet. And I'm not superstitious, but it truly feels like it was meant to be. Do you believe in fate? I do. I've always had a complex relationship with the idea of fate, but if anything makes me feel like fate in some form exists, it is my relationship. And it was that feeling that was so apparent to both of us and so strong that also led us to become engaged about a year ago. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It's been magical and wild <laughs> being engaged and trying to plan a wedding during COVID. But we have overcome all the obstacles and I think we're stronger for it. I have no doubt that you are very strong as a couple, given all that you have experienced together. You know the next question I'm going to ask because I asked it to you when you were on the first time. And that is, what have you learned from this experience? And what advice do you have for listeners? Well, it's an interesting question because I think I have relearned some of the things I learned before and in a different way, such as, and most importantly, the importance of being open. I had had Previous to my last relationship that ended, I had been very hesitant to go online and to do online dating and to do the apps, largely because a lot of my friends seemed to have disappointing experiences. Uh, and I also always wanted to meet someone in real life. That was my ideal. Um, but when I did go online and I met people, and not just people, but especially the love of my life that I'm with now... I realized how important it is to be open to evolving and to be open to things that you resist at first. And that's not to say do everything, try everything, and if you're truly uncomfortable, you shouldn't do it. But 
to push your boundaries a little bit and to be open to meeting people in different kinds of ways because there are all kinds of ways you can meet people and doing an app, going on an app is just one more way. It just broadens the pool of people that you are exposed to. So I think being open-minded to how you meet someone is really, really important. And that's only been emphasized to me more now. And then the other really important lesson I've learned from this is the importance of vulnerability, both for the other person, your partner, being vulnerable and being open and honest is absolutely critical to having a healthy relationship. And I honestly had never met someone as open and comfortable with his feelings as Robert. Um, But it also showed me that I need to be more vulnerable. And I've never considered myself a defensive or closed person. But when you're with someone who is so open themselves and able to be themselves, you realize how silly it is and what a waste of time it is to be closed off in any way. And in my previous relationship, I had in fact ended up being closed off because I was ignoring what my instinct was telling me, which was this isn't right, you should end it. I ignored that for long enough and I realized now with Robert that I can't repress anything if I want this to be a healthy relationship. It doesn't mean to let it all hang out or to, you know, over communicate in terms of uh, needing to um, talk about your feelings 24 hours a day. But in terms of the important fundamental issues that arise in a relationship, it's critical to be yourself and to expect that of the other person, too, because that makes for an incredibly healthy relationship. And uh, it's a standard that is hard to meet. And it's a standard that's hard to hold others to. But I think when you do, you realize how healthy and how positive your relationships can become in any part of your life not just a romantic part of your life absolutely it applies to everyone especially your romantic partner because that's who you spend the most time with ultimately but absolutely it's important for every relationship so true congratulations again on finding the love of your life i wish you to forever happiness and just the life that you dream for yourselves to become true. Thank you, Jody, And I'm happy to say it is already coming true. Tremendous. Thank you so much for coming back again. And please make this the last time that you're my guest on the podcast. That's a promise. Thanks, Jody. <laughs> listening to this episode. If you like the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. And you can subscribe there or wherever you're listening right now. You can connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest. And also check out our blog at firstdatestories.com where we celebrate singledom, talk about self-care, explore what might be keeping you from finding the right partner, and dish out some dating tips. And now, quick run through of the legalese. This podcast is for general information and entertainment purposes only and is not intended as professional advice for our listeners. We suggest that you always consult with your own personal coaches and advisors. First Aid Stories does not recommend or endorse or object to the views or topics expressed on this podcast. Also, the names of the guests have been changed for privacy purposes. The producer of the podcast is Sarah Singer-Schiff. And the show is brought to you by Aspar Ventures. 
First Aid Stories is here to help you be your best self, cheer you on, and encourage you to keep going on first dates. Because beyond your next first date...